Welcome back to Crime Scene Queens, everybody. Welcome to your favorite part of the week. I am Laura. I am your friendly resident CSI and field mouse. Hi, everybody. And I'm Shelly. I'm your legal beagle and your resident court rat. We are back and we are the right podcast for you if you know that DNA evidence doesn't come back with results in two weeks. Oh, it doesn't? No, no. No, it doesn't. Not unless you pay a lot of money. Well, no, because I totally thought that, you know, the CSI effect, I thought that it came back within like 45 minutes. If you cut out all the, yeah. the commercials and stuff, it's 45 minutes that it comes back, right? Well, according to CSI, it can come back like almost instantaneously, like the swab will change colors or it'll even produce a hologram of the person who committed the crime. Oh, obviously. And they these huge touch screens that they have, those are 100 percent affordable in every single crime lab. 100%. Right, because it would totally be appropriate on a crime scene anyways to use your hands to touch random pieces of evidence contributing to cross-contamination risks, because that's definitely what we do. Obviously, but make sure you pick your nose after so you can get all that goodness right up inside you and, you know, it'll be fun. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to pick my nose with my gloves, like, still on. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then not change them after. (laughs) No. And double gloving, totally not a thing. I mean, you know, why would you double glove? Right. It's like it's like wearing two condoms. It's totally ineffective, Shelly. Oh, all right. Good to know. Good to know. I'll I'll remember that one. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even. Yeah. Good to know. How was how was your night last night? Oh, it was um, long and amazing. So speaking of condoms, it was long and amazing. Nice. I love hearing the slutty side of Sears from you. That's my favorite. Yes. I love hearing Shelly's stories. (laughs) Because I'm an old, crusty, married hoe. So I'm like, let me live through you and your hot men. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll get to those in a a little bit. Maybe maybe Uh, a few episodes (laughs) from now. We'll see. We'll see how that one works out. I just like poking you. But speaking of poking, raise your hand if you've ever had a crime scene with over 200 dildos. Ooh, that's pushing it. (laughs) Whose hand is raised? Oh, yeah, that would 100% be yours. (laughs) That would be yours, Laura. Your hand is in the air, sky high. I think it might be two hands that are raised right now. (laughs) They were all sizes, shapes, colors, textures. Some had vibrating packages and some didn't. (laughs) I don't think I'll ever forget it because, of course, the detective made me collect all of that shit, all of it, and not much of it was clean. Not much of it. That's even better. So hence the double gloving. Yes. And speaking of cleaning, that leads me to soap. Soap is fun. Soap is fun. So if you're in the know or want to be in the know and come with us. Our CSI EDU topic for this week ties into what we're going to be chit-chatting with you about. Your CSI EDU word is adipocere. Oh, we're supposed to say it with you, right? Oh, okay. Ready? Adipocere. (laughs) Perfect. There we go. Very good. I can tell you the technical kind of definition of of what it is, but I really want to know what your take on it is, Laura. If you die in water and nobody gets you out, you're going to turn into soap and you're going to look like cottage cheese and you're going to smell real bad. Kind of maybe like ammonia? Kind of like if you left cottage cheese in a garbage bag in your front yard for a few days or three. In the Florida heat? Definitely in the Florida heat. Make sure there's lots of humidity and moisture and all the things that you're picturing growing on it and all the colors that you're imagining it's turning. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But gotcha. though adipose here does tend to stay gray or white, though. It doesn't usually shift colors unless there's any taphonic change. Taphonic is basically when something in the environment alters the substance that is laying on it. So sometimes, you know, in anthropology, if a bone was found in the field, they'll have green, you know, color transfer on it. So taphonic change is basically anything the environment can change. Exactly. Word yeah. salad. <laughs> Word salad. So what's salad. the technical definition? Yeah, let's be let's be like official. What's the technical definition? Adipocere is a byproduct of decomp. And decomp is one of my favorite smells, by the way. Um, if they made a perfume, I think I might, you know, dab it behind the ears a little. Um, keep it in the upper torso. I don't know if I really want it below the belt because so sick. You know, I am, you know, I am still single, so don't really so want sick. that below the belt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I believe that adipocere also inhibits bacterial growth, and what it does is it forms like a little bit of a waxy film over a body, and yep. that's a that's a form of preservation for uh, deceased. Yep. And for everyone that's judging us for not being super particular, it is an anaerobic bacterial hydrolysis of fat in tissue. <laughs> so, yeah, it's when the, the our body converts the fat deposits into a waxy substance. So I actually remember my very first adipocere crime scene. I'm very interested. Yeah, I was actually a newer CSI and it was my very first home invasion uh, robbery case. And... It was one of these situations where the family that lived in this home didn't believe in banks. And somehow, not a very nice group of people found that out. Their entire home was full of money. It was in the jackets, in their closet. It was in the mattresses. It was hidden in the most, like, bizarre places. And I don't really recall now if it was a worker that had been into their home. I think what may have actually been the case is that the son had some dicey friends. So like seven or eight people break into this house. They shoot the dog. The dog lived just because I, I know how as even though we're all dark, we all want the dog to live. The dog lived. 100%. Thank you. Yep. So they take all these people's money. They tie them up. They throw them in a bedroom and they start to flee, but because these idiots shot the dog, the neighbors heard. So they called the police and the police get there just in time to see all of these people scatter and run away. And they did kind of separate into groups a little bit. And three of them headed towards this creek. Now, it's not like the wisest idea when you're running away from the police to jump in a creek if you can't swim. No, why not? Um, because you'll die. And because you're doing that and you're jumping in this big creek with a lot of brush at night, we're not going to see you floating. We're going to see all of your friends that are still running away and assume that you are also running away like with them. Idiot jumps into the water. All of his so-called friends leave him screaming in the creek. And the only reason we knew he was in there is because the neighbors reported hearing him calling for help. So he dies and we do a search for him. However, like I said, it's night. Who knows? I mean, they put a decent amount of effort and into finding him and eventually they had to call it a day. And as bodies do, a few days later, he puffed up, he floated to the top, popped and went back down. 
And eventually he kind of floated down the creek a little bit more. And because like adipocere, depending on temperature and environment, can take sometimes like two months in the longest, but sometimes as short as two weeks. But you'll start to see signs of it like a little bit earlier sometimes. And he was a decently fat, generous person. He had a lot of material to work with when it comes to creating adipocere. Let's just say that. Okay. And that is because our definition was that uh, <laughs> fat creates adipocere. It's kind of like Fight Club, guys. Like it's Fight Club, you know, only in a lot darker way, though Fight Club was pretty dark. So anyways, we then see him floating in some high grass. The dive king comes out and they pull him out of the water for me to take pictures. And I'm like, what's all that white shit? (laughs) (laughs) And this death investigator who is so, oh my God. I was, no, I was just like, literally like, what the fuck was floating in the water with him? Like, what is that? And this death investigator who was so generous about like not judging me for saying some dumb crap like that was like, um, that's Adipus here. And I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Obviously. So I had my own CSI EDU on scene and it was such a unique smell. When people die in water, the way that the decomp smells is like so, so much worse. And don't be adding me guys saying that it's not. It is so much worse. The decomp smell, it like that water like changes the way that those gases break down and that autolysis happens. I don't even think I could follow my 510 rule for that. So my personal 510 rule for decomp is if you have a decomposing body crime scene, the first five minutes that you're in that scene, if you're not using any kind of mask on your face, is going to just be absolutely miserable. However... After that five minutes, it gets a little bit more tolerable. Maybe your brain function starts to kick in a little bit better. Maybe it's not just so miserable and you don't need to go take breaks to go out of the the home or wherever the person died. But then after 10 minutes, if you can like tough it out, the smell is pretty much gone. I mean, it's definitely going to live in your eyelashes, nose and hair if you were, you know, having freshly cleaned hairs. But that's my 510 rule. I haven't been out on a scene where I've seen adipocere, but I have right. viewed an autopsy. And, um, you know, the the bloat is kind of unreal uh, when, mm-hmm. you know, there's adipocere. The feeling of it is uh, kind of like a it's waxy. A lot of forensic scientists and forensic folks refer to it as cheese-like. So yeah. one would think that you wouldn't want to eat cheese anymore. I personally love cheese and that's not going to, that, that's actually going to remain in my diet, even though adipocere, you're right. It smells different. Decomp, it, it does smell different, but it's still you fine. Know, you know what, Shelly? I did not blink to continue to eat goat cheese, feta, all of that. Cottage cheese, I probably ate it the next day. I think that there is a transition that happens because I have been asked by people like, can you... Like you're on these long, long crime scenes, Laura. How can you eat when you're standing over like blood and brains and guts and like poop and pee and spits and like whatever else? Vomit. And yeah, maggots. whatever gross shit comes out of your body. Yeah, maggots, larva. Um, and don't even get me started on hoarders. We can do a whole episode on hoarders. Oh boy. Look forward to that episode. You're, yeah, hoarding, hoarders. I can't. Sorry. Yeah. Hoarding, I can't. So at a certain point, you just eat. And 
I do remember in college when I had my first maceration. And for those of you that don't know what maceration is, um, if you think about like, um, what's it called? Like deboning a chicken where you like boil it in water so all the meat falls off. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what we do to people in anthropology sometimes for several different reasons. Um, if you've ever seen bones, whatever, I don't because multiple reasons, but if you've ever seen, seen bones, bones, like the like TV the TV show, show that, oh, yeah, yeah, that I've never TV seen show that. that, yeah, it's, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I get why people would find it interesting, but she'll say, oh, go render the bones. What she means is macerate. So basically what we do is we cut the big chunks off of you and then we disarticulate all of your limbs and your head and we boil you in pots so that all the meat comes out or comes off of your body and like all the tissue and fascia and all that shit goes away so that we can make an analysis of your uh, bones to get information. And this usually occurs in decomposition cases. So you're actually reminding me that maybe that case wasn't my first case because I had a few adipocere cases in college, but that was my first one where like I was lead investigator, not just a student. But getting not getting too far off topic, but my very first maceration, I still remember the guy's name. I won't say it to um to protect his privacy, but he had donated his body to my anthropology program. And there were five of us. And of course, I was the only girl. And Obviously. my professor looks, I know, right? So my professor looks at me and she says, Laura, I'd like you to start cutting the flesh off of the legs. And then she like gives everybody else their particular region of the body to start like removing meat. And I look down at this dude's legs and all I see are the chicken wings I ate for lunch. And Amazing. I am thinking to myself, get it together, get it together, get it together. Because none of the boys, none of the boys are freaking out. Everybody just dove right in and started cutting. Oh, my God. And I was like, it was my first one. So it's completely reasonable that this was like my hazing. And I could see her side eye on me. Like, so, you better not disappoint me in this field right now. A hundred percent. And so normally when, you know, people need to refocus, what do they do? They take a deep breath, right? The smell, though, you can't of course, do that. <laughs> of course, if you're not used to the smell, yes. if you don't love the smell, then you're not going to take a deep breath. But to your point, Shelly, I did lie and say that I had to pee because the bathroom was not in the building. There was a special separate building for, um, you know, gross shit <laughs> away from the main autopsy suite. So I went to the bathroom and I think she knew. So she followed me and she was like, are you OK? And I was like, yes. And she goes, good. And then she shuts the door. Like, she wasn't staring at me pee, but she had, like, opened the door to the bathroom and was speaking to me through the door. That's amazing. So she she's like, you, you better not. Yeah, you, she checked on me, but she was also kind of letting me know, do not fuck up in front of these boys. You need to, like, like, I always think saying have the balls is stupid because balls are weak and you can punch them and boys cry. So I always say have the ovaries. <laughs> you have the ovaries to finish the job. <laughs> there you go. Have the ovaries to finish the job. I like that. Right. Uh, you were, you know, you were talking about maceration and it's yep. funny because, you know, I'm putting a, a bathroom in my basement and Ooh. I actually uh, had to purchase a macerating up flush toilet. So um, what kind of poops are you taking? Well, I mean, no, <laughs> it's because the plumbing is above the toilet. 
Um, but, you know, in doing so, I had to dig out the basement and there was parts of it. And I always thought to myself, I wonder how many bones I'm, and people I'm going to find. And, you know, the remains. Yes. And Bear unfortunately, together, John Wayne Gacy. Right. And unfortunately, there there weren't any. Um, I was really hoping for some because, you know, obviously I'd love to do an analysis on my own home, but I guess it's probably good. Um, and I probably would have smelt it, too. So I guess yeah. it's a good thing. But yeah, maceration. Um, that's that's a fun one. Yeah, I mean, well, while we're on kind of what's accidentally starting to become our water episode, I will tell you that the scene that was literally, I think, the most foul and disgusting scene that I've ever been on. Because, like, right, everybody asks you that question when you're in crime scene, and it's kind of, like, the most annoying question ever, which is, like, What's the grossest thing you've ever seen? Okay, first of all, gross is subjective. What's gross to me or what's gross to you, you know, it's not going to ever be the same. However, this is pretty fucking gross. All right, so old man dies in his hot tub. Not a bad way to die. He's chilling out, relaxing, maxing all cool. Just shooting some (laughs) b-ball outside of the school. (laughs) He wasn't doing that, but he was enjoying the, he was sitting in his hot tub, enjoying himself, and he passes away. He probably, you know, I don't remember now, but obviously heart, some kind of natural cause death. Well, a hot tub and Mm. a dead body essentially turned into what can best be described as a human fucking crock pot. Yeah. Shelly, there, like all the maceration that we did in the lab that was so controlled and yet was still so disgusting, even with lots of things like fuming hoods to uh, suction all that air and all that odor out, it would still smell. There was nothing containing this. I, I There's no way to describe were the, were the a, what I saw. Well, his skin and meat... And entrails had like clogged up the filter of the hot. Like, oh my god, it was it was indescribable. Your face right now, you you, you feel like, like <laughs> you're puking in your mouth a little. I'm like, wow, well, this is this is really cool. I mean, I would love a, a human crock pot. That that sounds but it's phenomenal. Not, oh my god, there was just like, and you know, like when you boil things, it like loses its color. So like everything was like that awkward, opaque, tan, gray, brown like red from like the oh I can't even if like if you guys just want to picture anything nasty you've ever seen in your life and make it chunkier and make it smellier and then imagine like it being caught in a it's just I don't remember I don't think the jets were still on but I do know there was movement that I observed in the water but could have been from whatever I really doubt they were still working because I'm sure all like the chunks of him had like suctioned into. I can't. So you wouldn't say that he was a soap mummy? No, he was more macerated soap. You know what? Everything was just so intermixed together. It was like the literal definition of people soup. People slow cooked, slow cooked people soup. That slow cooked people soup sounds. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe yeah, if you. If you ate it with a ladle, I maybe chopsticks. Literally 
think, you know, actually it's funny because when we used to masturbate in the lab, we did use a ladle. Because <laughs> totally like you said to, we used to masturbate in the well, lab. Well, because you have to put like the hands and the feet in a separate pot because those bones are so tiny that you have to like get one of those like slotted spoons and a ladle because you have to skim what it. Help, well, also what's helpful. Yeah, you have to basically skim it. So like you have to stick your it's all right. You have to change out the water that you're macerating in. Everybody's going to be like, I can't handle these bitches. I'm done. I'm I'm done. I there. But we're this not is, having this any is list- real. Sh- this is Shelley, real stuff. <laughs> I mean, Shelley, we're not getting any listeners. They're going to be like, we want to go back to our same old murder porn bullshit. I'm done with these chicks. <laughs> right. Oh, there's so many. There's so many fallacies in crime scene. This is real stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, we're definitely going to be hitting on more of these topics and stuff, but also we're going to be hitting on things that don't really happen in crime scenes that you see when it's sexy and televised, because that's not the way that it is. When you go to a crime scene, you may have to throw away your boots. You, you may have to burn your clothes. There are some situations where that's happened. I definitely got lazy as fuck and stopped like burning my clothes. Like I was too attached to my 5'11s Oh, yeah. Uh, And like, because, you know, you do have to buy cheap shoes, though, which is such a bad, like, catch 22, because if you buy nice shoes, inevitably the universe will gift you like an arson scene where the FD has already come through and use the fire hoses so all of that black ash has turned into like that disgusting clay and it's going to completely ruin your shoes because of course um you know I know one of my police departments I worked for the fire department actually gave us boots to wear on their scenes but the first one didn't until like years into my employment and I remember being like why didn't you motherfuckers give us this sooner like we could have not throwing away our shoes. Anyways, back on topic. So either something will ruin your shoes. Even if you put on the sh- booty Tyvex guys, you know that there are still some scenes out there that ruin your shoes. But the second you buy shitty shoes, you're going to be standing for two entire days. Absolutely. On something. And... It's going to be like an outdoor crime scene where the victim got stabbed in the heart and then ran up and down the street while being shot at. And there's fucking casings everywhere and there's blood spatter everywhere. And you've got like you've gone beyond your A to Z cones and you're now you're on numbers and double letters. You're going to Whataburger to get fucking numbered tents. That's what's going to happen when you buy shitty shoes. You're so going you to Whataburger win. to get numbered tents. <laughs> I I don't go to Whataburger for number tents. I go there for uh, there's there's one thing that I actually do like to eat there. And yeah, which, you know, crime scene, they don't change my eating habits. I'm a girl that loves to eat. So, Laura, why don't you uh, tell our listeners what are evidence markers or evidence tents or the cones? Yeah. OK, yeah. so. Basically, when you have a crime scene where it's important for you to show spatial relationships in an overall manner, we're going to take numbered, sometimes they're little tents, sometimes they're cones. They come in all different shapes and sizes now, and sometimes they're orange, sometimes they're yellow. I have even seen red. Sometimes they're in numbers, sometimes they're in letters, and you plop them down on significant pieces of evidence Or if you have something like a trail of blood, you're going to show the the pathway that that blood is going. 
And a lot of people will do this in a directional way, such as north, south, east, west. Like you want the directionality of how the numbers of the letters ascend or descend to be relevant, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. contextual. Correct, correct. And and you know, sometimes I've seen them use letters if there's things mm -hmm. underneath. So like for instance, if there's if there's a piece of evidence, you know, a shell casing underneath a table. So the, mm -hmm. the table will be a number, but then the shell casing that's underneath, because it's underneath the table and you can't get that that tent under there, then mm -hmm. they'll mark that with a letter. And then, you know, it signifies, a, a, it differentiates, I guess, uh, between the table and something that's underneath or hidden underneath. You know, Shelly, what you're bringing up is really important because I know that we've talked about before how every CSI does this job different and none of it's wrong. What you're describing is a really good best practice for that CSI that did it. Like for me, I liked sticking to keeping it simple. So all of my cones were always numbers. Now, some people like letters better because I liked as best as I could, this didn't always work out, aligning my evidence cones with the evidence number that I submitted into the property and evidence unit or on my yeah. property receipt. Now for CSIs that think differently than me, they like using letters because then they don't even have to worry about this numbers crap. Well, yeah, because your numbers, they go from one mm -hmm. to 99. Yeah, they can, they can even go up higher than that. I mean, I've never had to go past 99, but obviously when you're using things alphabetically, there's only so many letters of the alphabet, but then for those larger crime scenes, they make evidence cones that start going into doubles. So you'll do A through Z and then it'll start back at AA. Yeah. But, and then like A, mm -hmm. B, A, C, you know, like what if they come up with like a BS <laughs> on a crime scene? <laughs> oh my God. I wish they did it that way. I so wish they did, but instead they just literally double the letter. So they go like A-A-B-B-C-C. -C, oh, okay. Like, so and I was so totally on. trying to make it a funny thing, but <laughs> that's fine. I mean, whatever. Okay. So we're never going to well, see a BS on crime scene. Bummer. I wish that we Unless could you put a see B -B -S. and an S together. <gasps> oh, well, oh. you know what? You know when that could happen? I actually have a good example of when that could happen. Some people, depending on the nature of the crime scene, they like to use disposable crime scene tents because we have to sanitize them between each scene. Yes. And so when you have a disposable crime scene tent, you have the freedom to write your own number on the cone. So there are some CSIs that, like when you have other people helping you on scenes, yeah. you're, like if you and I were working a scene together, all of my evidence cones would be like LZ1 and all of yes. yours would be like SH1. Yeah. So potentially somebody could have BS initials. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Yes, yes, that would be that would be super rad and that would be hilarious because right. if I walked, you know, up to a scene and I saw BS, I'd be like, "Oh, oh, I don't, I don't I mean, think I could stop." Yeah. I think it, yeah, it's definitely a hilarious moment. I mean, I in particular didn't like using disposable crime scene tents because especially if I'm outdoors, and it starts to rain, like that shit's gone. Like I yes. like, I like yeah. the crime scene tents that have a little L scale on them or like an ABFO, American yes. Board of Forensic Odontology. However, if I was outside, Drunk I like- science. Yes. <laughs> Drunk science, <laughs> shut up. Um, so there's also evidence cones that have a little bit more weight to them. And then I've even seen ones that have like weighted sandbags they oh, can yeah. prevent them from getting blown away. So yes. there's a whole bunch of cool ways to document. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, speaking of like kind of crazy evidence tents, how 
about uh, potential for like, you know, maybe using a certain fast food restaurant. Oh my table God, I love this story. Numbers as evidence tense. I love this story. Okay, so for everyone I'm, I'm who's- glad, I'm glad you love this story because Laura's always talking about how crazy Florida is. Let's talk about Texas for a second. Okay, so another state that's not Florida, thank God. Okay, and I have to give credit to this crime scene unit. Like they might be the goat for this. Basically, they had ordered evidence tents and their agency had been like, we can't afford that. You can't have them. And they had a major incident in an outdoor crime scene. And they went into a Whataburger restaurant or a fast food restaurant. And (laughs) (laughs) tell me more. They went and got the table numbers and they put the Whataburger table numbers on their evidence. And then the media picked up on it. And then absolutely. The beauty in this exercise or this stunt that they pulled is guess who got evidence sent ordered for them? Oh, well, yeah, (laughs) obviously they did. And so about that story. So it was kind of crazy because a spokesperson said, you know, absolutely. This was the only time that it was ever used. We never use it again. And people were questioning. They're like, wait, does does Whataburger sponsor you? I mean, this is kind of cool. Like, What's (laughs) happening with this whole Whataburger, you know, table marker thing that you're using as your as your tent, as your evidence markers? which is hilarious. And, uh, you know, also I've seen styrofoam, you know, like rainy, right? So yeah. we, don't, we don't have mm-hmm. a lot of rain here in San Diego, but if we did in, and in other states where there's a lot of rain, they will use, uh, you know, styrofoam cups or they'll mm-hmm. use the styrofoam takeout dishes, the, the containers from fast food restaurants, and right. they use those to protect evidence, which is, you know, kind of ingenious. I, I totally have to give it to them. You know, back to the Whataburger thing, you know, if I were to walk on scene and I were mm-hmm. to see Whataburger table, table tents, 100%, I'd be like, I think I'm hungry. I'm frequently hungry on a crime scene, to be honest with you, Shelly. You but... like fries. You like fries oh. from Whataburger. I'm all, I'm all about the beef. You like the fries. Girl, I like beef. I like fries. I like cheese. I like when the things come together to constitute an entire meal of burgers and fries. Oh, (sighs) phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I can't tell you how many crime scenes that lasted longer than I thought they were going to. And then uh, my stomach is growling. And then there's always like, I don't know about other CSIs that might be listening to this show, but I have what I like to call a snack den in my van. My van had a ridiculously huge center console and I had like my clipboard in there with my run sheets where I documented all of my crime scene information. And then inside of this center console, I had things like DNA consent forms. I had crime scene cleanup vendors for victims' families. I had property receipts. I had extra gloves. And then I had the snack den. I always have a snack. Always have a snack. I don't know what was in your snack den, but mine was like all of the terrible food I don't let myself eat normally. So there was like Cheetos and Doritos and there were... Yeah, it was awful food. Like, I mean, I don't eat like this, guys. Not judging if you do, by the way, because I'm jealous of you for, like, doing it. But, like, I had, I mean, I think I had, like, beef jerky just in case. I loved yeah, my it's snack Yeah, always great to eat beef jerky on a murder scene. That's, that I doesn't don't look care. like a ligament or a tendon at all. Or, you know, like, even a muscle, right? I mean, that's absolutely 100% great. Listen, 
Dude, when I you might open not... a bag of beef jerky, it's like an autopsy. It stinks. Oh, it's not like a bag. I have like the individual like sticks. Oh, those are nasty. You ha- you ate processed. You're nasty. Food? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, no. don't judge me. I have don't protein you judge bars. me. I'm super oh. judging you right now. I had protein bars okay. in my okay. snack drawer. Okay, all right. Let's just calm down over here. I also <laughs> had protein bars, but occasionally I wanted a meat stick. Cil- like cylinder stick that I could put in my mouth, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You like meat sticks. Stop it. Ugh, processed meat inside of a, a ugh, that's just disgusting. All right. You know what? You can take your judgment and you can just like, pound sand or something like that or i, I could know. or you know if, if you don't think that meat sticks are disgusting then you know maybe you should google adipocere oh uh, well that's not a meat stick that's more of a cottage cheese like snack <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but you know what if they google adipocere they're not going to be able to unsee it so just caution yeah you know, if you're going to do it uh don't do it while you're eating absolutely not there are certain things you should never google yes yeah adipocere is one of them there's a few All right. Well, I think we're about done with this one here, Shelly. Thanks for listening to us girls, the crime scene queens. And if you have any friends that are into true crime and you think that they can benefit from us girls, make sure that you share the show with them. And don't forget, if you're going to die, do your local CSI a favor and keep it interesting. Yep. See you next time, everyone. Crime Scene Queens is a Q-Code Media production. Executive producers, David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Nate Dufort. Theme song and music by Darren Johnson. 